We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead, it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who make changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Today's guest is Sam Beaver. He is the founder and CEO of Bowling Green Athletics, a gym that specializes in group fitness, personal training, and performance training for all ages. Sam has a degree in exercise science and holds multiple exercise certifications. He is also the co-host of The Bridge Podcast with his brother, Gabe. Sam, I am so excited. Thank you for joining the show today. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's my first time being interviewed on a podcast, so I'm super excited to be on this end of the microphone. And I, the first time I actually was on a podcast was on your podcast that you have with your brother, Gabe. So uh, it's interesting to see things come full circle. And I wanted to interview you because one, I love and adore you because you are my godson. But two, I think that your story is so inspiring and so amazing for young adults, for people of any age, really. And so what I thought I would do is just have you first just share a little bit of your background for those that may not know you. Yes. Thank you for the kind words as well. I really appreciate that. Uh, My background, I was born and raised in Lakewood, Ohio, and uh, I have went to St. Edward High School. And then after high school, I went on to Bowling Green State University, where I graduated with a degree in exercise science with a focus in exercise programming. Um, And then I currently uh, own and operate Bowling Green Athletics, which is a gym in Bowling Green, Ohio, where we specialize in functional fitness, performance training, and also personal training. So that's my full-time job. And then I also uh, co-host the podcast called The Bridge with my brother, Gabe. Yes. So you're a little busy. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, do you mind sharing with the audience um, how old you are? I'm 23. Okay. So 23 years old. (laughs) I think you're right. Doing all of that. So first I want to ask you, tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in fitness, because I know that this has been a part of most of your life. So tell me a little bit more about what, you know, what prompted you to get more involved with that. Definitely. So fitness started for me, I guess my fitness journey started freshman year of high school. And that was pretty much my dad and I going to the YMCA um, a couple times a week to start working out. And I absolutely hated it at first. Uh, I didn't want to do it. I was like, this sucks. You're in pain all the time. <laughs> you know, why, why is anyone in this? Uh, and then about two months went by of him dragging me to the gym. And then I started noticing, hey, like I'm getting a little stronger. Like my body is changing. Um, especially, you know, at that age, you know, your, your body's changing anyways, but and on top of the gym and stuff, my body's changing. I started to see some results and then, and then I got a little obsessed. <laughs> and from there, it was me dragging my dad to the gym. Uh, and then, so we did that. And then my freshman year playing football, uh, hockey and a, other, and a ton of other sports out of the years, uh, you know, we would be in the gym training. And then I realized that I liked the the gym part a lot better than the actual playing part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was able to, to really dive in and, you know, 
I started the self-education process of that really my freshman year of high school to where I was uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, uh, finding people on YouTube that were, you know, fitness enthusiasts or fitness professionals and really just diving and saying, hey, what can I learn to better myself, essentially? Hmm. Um, and then fast forward to my senior year of high school is when I really took a plunge to where I stopped playing organized sports for the school and I decided to compete in my first bodybuilding competition. So I went out and found a, a bodybuilding prep coach. He took me through a whole prep. I, you know, I dieted down, I did the show. And that's when I really learned more so about what the body is capable of, um, nutrition, how to properly fuel yourself to your goals, and then also what the mind is capable of. So that was kind of my mm -hmm. first stepping stones into, into fitness. Wow. And that, at such a young age. So tell anybody who might be interested in starting their own wellness journey. Maybe they don't want to be competing like you are right away. Mm -hmm. But what are the, some of the things that are small, actionable steps that they can take um, that will help get them to where they want to go? I, I like the small, actionable steps because that's yeah. that's what it is. You can't dive in and expect to even do like an hour-long workout right out of the gate. Um, I would say the main, the main thing to start with and to really get a hold of is master the art of showing up. Mm. And that's just saying, hey, I'm going to go to the gym. I don't care if you're there for 10 minutes. Show up, do something, whether that's stretch, foam roll, walk on the treadmill, grab a dumbbell and start doing something with it. Even if it's for 10 minutes, set it down and leave when you're ready to go. Uh, after a while, if you master the art of showing up and making it a habit of saying, hey, like it's not, oh, I think I'm going to go to the gym at two o'clock today. It's like, no, I'm going to the gym at two. And mm -hmm. it, it starts to be a non-negotiable in your mind. And then from there, you just build so wow. starting with mastering the art of showing up and that's really with anything. So, yeah. And do you, what do you find in terms of, um, after people show up, you know, I've, I've read that it could forming a new healthy habit could take anywhere from 21 days could be as much as 60 days. So what have you seen is, or is it just depend on it, people individually, or do you say, mm -hmm. you know, if they start showing up consistently, they will start to change after a month or what does that look like? I think it, at the end of the day, it depends on the individual, but it really starts with knowing how you're motivated. And because motivation is what will start you, but discipline is what will keep you going. Um, mm. And motivation can come from many different ways. A lot of people see motivation in results. So once they start seeing results, like me, that's essentially what happened to me. I was like, okay, now I'm in it, but it takes time to see results. Um, another one is community. So it's getting a workout buddy, having a partner. If you go to a gym, uh, like my gym, that you have classes and you're working out with a small group of people, that helps tremendously because you start to get relationships with those people and they know you and they're like, hey, didn't see you at the gym yesterday. You know, they're kind of keeping you accountable. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's knowing what motivates you. And there's no wrong form of motivation, really. Like you shouldn't feel bad if you're motivated by results. That's it's a normal, healthy mechanism mm -hmm. for the brain. So if you're like, hey, I just need to tough it out for a couple of weeks. Until you start, if your goal is weight loss, if you start seeing the numbers go down, you're like, okay, what I'm doing is paying off. And then you're like, I'm going to keep doing it. If your goal is to, you know, get stronger, you're like, hey, I can lift five more pounds than I did mm -hmm. two weeks ago. This is fantastic. And so starting, starting that will do it. Um, and then, yeah, back to the, the motivation and discipline. That's a super interesting concept for me because people make, people are motivated in positions of comfort and mm. then once you're in a position of discomfort, that's when discipline kicks in. 
So that's one thing to kind of, even I kind of catch myself doing, whether it's a business goal, a health goal, a life goal. Because when I make the goal, I'm usually sitting on the couch thinking in a comfortable position. And then when I actually start taking action towards that goal is when you get mentally uncomfortable or physically uncomfortable and your body wants to stop. And that's when you have to say, no, like I made this goal. I have to stay disciplined and I have to see it through. So I want to take those concepts that you just shared and I want to revisit something um, that happened. So um, this idea of motivation and discipline. So I remember you reached out to me. It was senior year. It was in the middle of COVID and you started to see that things were starting to shift. And I think you were working at a gym. So you were training it's your senior year of, of college. Mm-hmm. And you said, I think that the gym where I'm working is going to be closing and I might want to open up my, my own gym. So walk me through kind of what was happening mm-hmm. at the time, the thoughts you were having about your senior year of college. I was just, I remember thinking back my senior year, I was like, okay, I'm going to coast. I'm having a good time. <laughs> I was not thinking of starting my own <laughs> business. <laughs> so walk us through what was happening, how you got this idea and what even went through your mind in terms of like, can I do this? Mm. Um, I think now that I'm thinking back to it, I think it was actually the end of my junior year where I said that. Okay. Because senior year, I was actually already doing it. So, so junior year. Yeah, because oh COVID, okay. <laughs> yeah, COVID happened second semester of junior year because my first semester of junior year was normal. And then spring semester, yes. that's when everything was on. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. and I remember that. Yeah, my the, <laughs> I was working at a CrossFit gym as a very part-time coach. And uh, the owner was like, hey. COVID's, you know, very real. It's starting to affect lives. We're going to have to close down and and not reopen. Mm -hmm. And so I always knew that I wanted to to live my life on my own terms. And I'm very passionate and I put my heart into everything that I do. And if I can't buy into something, I I won't put effort into it. Mm -hmm. And that's good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I, I really don't give energy to things that I don't feel passionate about. So knowing that the gym was closing down and that the path that I was on was changing because if the gym didn't close down, I would honestly probably just shoot for like a full-time position at that gym just to keep learning and staying in the business. I was like, Hey, right. you know, I, I learned a lot at this position. It's going to close down. I think I want to start doing my own thing now. And it was more so like, I didn't know, I didn't know if, if I could do it. I didn't know how yeah. I was going to do it. I just, was kind of just letting my thoughts and my heart drive me and mm-hmm. being okay enough to imagine what it could be, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So how did, what did you imagine that it could be? I imagined that it was going to be this, this massive facility and it's still like my vision, uh, yeah. a household name. Mm-hmm. That's our mission. It's the household mm-hmm. name in Bowling Green. If someone's talking about health and fitness, we're in the name. Everyone knows us. And we just we operate with a sense of honesty and purpose and integrity with the community. And that was the vision. Um, mm-hmm. And that still still is the vision, too. Mm-hmm. And then after I thought about that, I was like, oh, that's cool. I got super excited. And then about 20 seconds later, I thought about, oh, shit, I have nothing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I have no money. I, I'm still in school. I, the gym that I was working at just closed down. Like it's, yeah. And then it was like, okay, 
like where I want to be and where I am now. And the, the distance yes. between those two things got insanely big and large. So that was, yep. that was what happened there. Well, but I love that you said you started with your vision first, because I do believe that anytime you embark on wanting to do something different, you have to be pretty clear on uh, the vision. Now that could change and evolve, of course. However, you had that. And because of that, you were able to stay motivated and excited. So um, what were some of the things that you discovered about entrepreneurship that maybe was challenging? Was it Mm. mindset? Was it taking, having to take imperfect action every day, showing up, like you said, you know, what were some of those lessons that you've learned that you want to share with others? Mm, Pretty much every lesson. Um, (laughs) Entrepreneurship is not at all what the media um, advertises it to be. Mm. And I know that the the hashtag grind is very glorified. So everyone's like, yeah, like I'm in the grind. And then they tell you, yeah, when you're an entrepreneur, like your first couple years are a grind. And the grind is great, but it's only shiny and new for maybe a week. Mm -hmm. And then it's the monotonous work. The, you know, when you, when you decide to be an entrepreneur or you fall into entrepreneurship and you decide to go for a business under you, a a business venture, you essentially buy yourself a job is what's Mm -hmm. happening. Um, And you're trading a nine to five for a 24 seven. And that's not only just where you are physically, but where you are mentally too. Because you're always thinking about ways you can improve your business. So that can pull from a lot of different things in your life. Um, it can pull energy from your personal relationships, your relationship with yourself, your health, everything. And kind of learning and navigating how to do that properly is, I think, probably one of the biggest lessons that I'm still learning. But with all the things that are difficult about entrepreneurship, uh, there, are, there are sweet spots along the way. And then... Uh, a really cool opportunity to really be in as much control as you can be over your life. Mm -hmm. So I I I wake up every, yeah, I wake up every morning and I I'm doing what I'm doing because of me for Mm -hmm. me. I'm helping others, but at the end of the day, I'm helping them so they can help me. Right. And the more I help them, the more they help me. And it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that grows together. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that's with any business really. So one of the things I love about what you've done is um, you're very clear on your mission. You're very clear on wanting to help um, everybody of every age, of every sort of fitness starting point. So tell me, tell everyone a little bit about the work that you did around the strategy for your business, the mission, um, how it's evolved in terms of the hiring that you've done and really mm. just the types of programs you put together, this overarching sort of vision and mission for the organization. Definitely. I think the the mission stayed pretty much the same, but the follow through and the process has changed a lot. When we first started, we were in a parking lot and I had Jim equipment <laughs> in my, my Toyota Corolla. <laughs> you know, it's not a big car. Uh, like I had barbells in there, dumbbells. I had a big white giant whiteboard that I would pull out and write the workout on. And it was literally <laughs> in a parking lot of a park that we weren't even supposed to be at. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was my mission there was saying, hey, if I can help one pe- one person feel a little bit better, I did my job, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also, I wasn't even really charging people. I just said, hey, I'm doing this for donation. Uh, Because, you know, it was the height of COVID. Everyone was very 
it was a very there was a lot of unknown with people's jobs right. and you know hey what's happening so people are getting pretty frugal and so I was like hey I'm just doing this to help people I put my Venmo up on the board and I was like if you want to make a donation you can if not you know I'll still be here and uh-huh. the majority of people you know gave me something mm-hmm. which was which was cool but yeah that was just pretty much bare bare bones and then I would just go from there. But after about seven weeks at the parking lot, I actually gave up on it. So I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need a real, I need a job that I can actually afford to pay groceries. So I, or buy groceries. So I stopped at the storage unit and I got a job at TJ Maxx. And then about two months after that, and that was the summer between my junior and senior year of college. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, working for someone else sucks. Even if it's just TJ Maxx, like, you know. (laughs) It's it's the same. Like there's a hierarchy in a business, and the people that you have to deal with, and the processes that you have to deal with, didn't work out for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I again got in that monotonous zone of just clocking in, clocking out. I wasn't really using my brain, and I got really frustrated because I knew I had a talent and a craft mm-hmm. that I was good at, and by not getting better at that and just going on autopilot, I was like, I don't want to do this in whatever job I get after I graduate. Because you pretty much learn the position and then you just keep redoing it for years and years and years. And I was like, this is horrible. So I I quit TJ Maxx and I was like, I'm going to go all in on the gym. Yeah. And the start of my senior year is when we rented out a 15 foot by 20 foot storage unit and started training clients there. Yeah. And tell us a little bit now, because you're not there in that unit any longer so tell everyone what how long you were there what you learned and then how you just continued to elevate and expand on this journey so we were in the storage unit for maybe six weeks and then from there i started seeing like the sprinkle of hey we're making a little bit of money not much Mm -hmm. we just we made enough to cover the cost of the storage unit and i wasn't paying myself at all then either uh, but I was like, hey, we're ma- you know we can cover expenses now, and yeah. we have a little bit extra at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Cool. From there, I was like, we need a bigger space. So we couldn't afford to get tied into a big lease or anything like that because I didn't know what was going to happen after I graduated, especially with COVID and stuff. Yeah. So I dedicated two days, a Friday and a Saturday, to where I would walk into every single small business I could find that was warehouse-based that I knew had mm-hmm. a lot of space and pretty much asked to talk to the owner, the manager, and said, hey, can I sublease a small space from you? Uh, you know, I introduced myself. I said, this is what I'm yeah. trying to do. This is what I need. And I pretty much, everyone said, you gave me a look that I was crazy or was <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, we had a similar story when we started, but he's like, unfortunately, we don't have any, you know, space for you and stuff like that. And I think I went, I, I walked into like 22 or 23 different businesses that day. And I, I remember to promise myself, I promised myself that morning when I, before I went to the first one that I wasn't going to get discouraged by the amount of mm-hmm. those that I was going to get. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just testing the waters. And on the last business I walked into on that Friday, it was like the 23rd or 22nd. Um, the owner wasn't there, but the manager gave me his card. So mm-hmm. yeah, here he's not in today. You can give him a call. So I called him, left a voicemail. Two weeks went by, nothing. I called him again and he answered. And apparently he didn't even get my voicemail. I don't know what the deal was there. <laughs> but essentially, he's like, yeah, he was a mechanic and he owned a, a garage. He's like, I have a three-car garage that I used to run my business out of. That's just storage now. If you want to rent from me, I can take everything out of it and you can 
you know, start there. I was like, perfect. So mm-hmm. we moved into a three car garage. It had electricity, but it didn't even have running water. <laughs> and so we rent. This sounds crazy now saying it again, but we rented a, a porta potty and just put the porta potty right side, right beside it, and did that there. And so we spent about three months in the garage with the porta potty, and then I had this like come to Jesus moment essentially, where I was like, hey, if I can do this in a garage with a porta potty right next to it, like I can do this in an actual place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I got active again and started looking for spaces that we could be at. And I, through some mutual friends and people just referring to other people, we found the space that we're at now, which we're in the Woodland Mall in Bowling Green. And we have uh, just over 2,000 square feet of space. So Amazing. We, moved, we moved into there after three months in the garage and we've been there, been there since. It's been a little over a year now. So. Oh my God. Congratulations. First of all, I just love that you had this sort of discipline about making the calls, going there, feet on the street, knocking on doors, you know, chose not to be discouraged. Yeah. And then also, like you said, even though the circumstances were not ideal, even though it wasn't necessarily the vision that you had when you were picturing this amazing space, <laughs> when you mm-hmm. first decided to open up your gym, you could still see the potential that you were on the journey and on the path. So what do you do to keep your mindset so strong? Like, are there things, practices, routines, books? Like, what do you do to constantly elevate your thinking and your mindset? Mm. Well, my mindset isn't always strong. (laughs) It's actually, I think sometimes it's less, it's not as strong more than it is strong. Uh, But I, I, I have routines and stuff that I do to pull me back. The one if it gets really bad and I get really down on myself, I I go, I hop in my car and I drive to every single location that I was at in Bowling Green. So I drive to the first gym that I started working at, which actually had two locations. So I, I drive mm-hmm. to the first location, I sit in the parking lot and I hang out there and I kind of go back in my mind and I think of memories that I had there and mm-hmm. the things that I learned and the people that I met. And then I would drive to the second location, which is the place where my gym moved to right before they closed. I sit there and I think back to all the memories I had there, where I was go, like where I was at in life, mindset wise, and I think about that. And then I drive to the parking lot where I started. Uh, I drive to TJ Maxx actually, and I hang out in the parking lot. And I'm like, hey, this is when I was like giving up on it. And then I drive to the garage, and then I drive to the gym that the place that the gym's at now, mm-hmm. and that pulls me out of anything because it's like mm-hmm. I pretty much do a mini walkthrough of everything that's happened and it's only been a little over two years. Yeah. You know, if I can do this in two years, imagine what I can do in, a, in another two years. And I only have, this time I have more knowledge, more confidence, a little bit more money to work with. And yeah, so I can, you know, that that's the main one that pulls me up. Uh, other than that, I have, you know, I journal, I meditate. I like the, the cold plunges, the cold showers, and all that. But that I think is the the main one that I found that can pull me out of any any tough headspace that I get into. My God, I love that idea. And is it does it just remind you of how you were carried and supported all along the all along the way and kind of give you confidence it's gonna continue? Definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I we have a really tight knit community of members at the gym. You know, we're like family to each other and I know that if I support them the best I can, that they're going to support me the best they can. And mm. because it's a symbiotic relationship that we have. So, yeah. 
Amazing. Amazing. So what have you learned about yourself in all along this journey of entrepreneurship, of COVID, of, you know, constantly growing and sticking with your, with your dream and your vision? Like, what have you learned that maybe you already knew and you're, it supported it and what surprised you? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, it surprised me. I learned that I'm actually pretty stubborn. When it comes stubborn to things. How? Like <laughs> and, good or bad stubborn? Good and bad, I think. Which is okay. weird because growing up with the little brother that I have, he was always labeled <laughs> the stubborn one. Well, she is extremely stubborn. But like I was always like, Oh, I'm not stubborn. Like I'm you know, pretty open minded. I kinda go with the flow type deal. But then I noticed in certain aspects of, of businesses like I can get stubborn in certain certain thought processes, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah. Learning that about myself is like, hey, am I am I really thinking about all the options here? Or am I just sticking to yeah. what I know, mm-hmm. and sticking with, to what you know is, is okay, but it doesn't it doesn't force you to grow at all because you don't know what you don't know yet. So that was one thing I learned. Um, a good thing awesome. that I learned about myself was that I listen very well and I'm very empathetic, so I can if a client has a problem or is or doesn't have a problem or is just feeling a certain way or a situation feels a certain way, I can pretty easily tell the emotion behind it and then that can help me make a better decision around that situation. That's awesome. So um is that help guide the programs that you create for them and and help you get an understanding of like what motivates them? Definitely. Yeah. So we we actually changed our our on onboarding process for new clients to where we pretty much ask a series of questions that get them to tell us how they're motivated. Mm-hmm. So if there's ever an issue or if they maybe, if I see that attendance is going down or if someone brings to my attention, like, Hey, someone's been, you know, been kind of in and out of the gym. They're not, they're not doing everything they said they're going to be doing. I can look back at that paper and say, Hey, this is how they're motivated. Let's try this tactic to get them back in. That okay. deal. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tell me what else you do. Do you have a community of other entrepreneurs that you connect with? I know community is so important, but especially because the entrepreneur journey can be very lonely at yes. times. And so, um, you know, what does your support system look like? Mm-hmm. Well, you're one of them. Oh. So our, our <laughs> weekly meetings and talks are always very, very nice, even if we're just talking about stuff that happened during the week. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always nice to hear, you know, hear what's going on with you, because I think sometimes entrepreneurs no matter where what industry they're in they go through similar things yeah and so it's, it's nice to know that someone else is going through that too uh, i also know a handful of gym owners in the area as well that in like surrounding cities and stuff that i try to meet with you know a couple times a year either go out to lunch buy them a drink or something like that to talk to so that's really nice and then i am a part of um another program called two brain business to where it's a group of, of gym owners and entrepreneurs that help each other out. And, and that's been a big, a big help because mm. all, all of us gym owners that are in, in our space struggle with a lot of the same things. So, yeah. Um, so part of, I think the entrepreneurship journey, but really just tackling anything new that if you want to make any change in your life, maybe even just embarking on a fitness journey is breaking out of comfort zones. Right. Mm. Um, the flesh can be very stubborn. We don't always want to do things that make us uncomfortable. What are some of the um, the comfort zones that you feel like you just, you had to, um, to move past and move out of? 
saying yes to things before you're completely ready for it. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Do you find that happening more and more? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. Because you're not going to know everything before you do it. And Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that's helped me a lot with breaking out of comfort zone is is realizing why it's hard to break out of comfort zones. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of, it's not you, it's just the chemistry of your brain. Uh, Mm. It's it's what, uh, it's the same thing with fear and danger. So when you Mm -hmm. experience fear, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily in danger all the time. Right. Uh, And that's just from thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. a mechanism when we were, you know, living in caves and stuff. But your brain wants to find comfort and it likes comfort because that's the best way it knows to keep you alive. So Mm -hmm. when I feel fear around a new thing that I'm doing or where I'm fear, I'm like, hey, like I'm getting super uncomfortable. I don't like this. My brain's telling me to stop. I kind of just take a breath. I'm like, this is just chemicals in my brain trying to keep me alive because it thinks I'm in a dangerous situation when really I'm just trying to send this email, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So once, once I like, I realize that and I do it all the time. I'm like, this is just my brain trying to keep me alive. And, you know, we've evolved into obviously a very different lifestyle than what humans first started out with. I'm like, okay, this is not really a big deal. Yeah. So that's helped a lot. I, <laughs> I, um, I remember hearing that, um, both uh, excitement and anxiousness. So being feeling anxious or feeling excited physiologically are actually exactly the same. Mm. And so um, so I tell myself anytime I feel that anxiety creeping and I always go, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and so I've told my clients that. And so they use that a lot. They're like, I'm so excited. <laughs> Very That's excitable lately. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going <laughs> to um, start doing that. Yeah, just to go, I'm so excited that I get to do something that, you know, I've never done before. And uh, so it's true. We, we can um, talk to ourselves and sort of pull ourselves out of situations. Um, amazing. So what is next for you? What are some other personal or professional goals, anything that you're willing to share that, um, that that's still on your list? Definitely. Right now, uh the big one is just I've, I've been really diving headfirst into the business. So going through and, and seeing where we need to fix things or improve things before we take massive leaps forward. We're at a, so we're at a spot now to where, you know, I have a couple of people working for me. I'm learning how to be a better leader. Mm-hmm. This time last year, my main roles were how can I be the best coach uh, for my clients? Now my main role is how can I be the best coach for my coaches who are coaching our clients? Yeah. So, and I was never, I mean, I was never really formally taught leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning how to navigate tough conversations because mm-hmm. you need to have tough conversations because if you don't fix it, it's not going to get fixed. That's how it is when, you know, when you're the, at the top of whatever business. And so that's been a big one for me is I'm, I'm asking, you know, other leaders that I know, I'm reading a lot of books, listening to podcasts about leadership and how to do it effectively and how not to do it too, because there are very Mm -hmm. good examples of bad leaders around. So that's been, that's been the big one, just knowing that I need to fix certain things now. So in the future, when the business grows, I don't have to worry about them anymore. Uh, And that's a nice phrase I like to think about is you don't rise to the level of your strengths. You fall back to the levels of your systems. So having systems and procedures in place will determine how far 
you can you can really push your your success in business and flipping the coin over to the life side it's the same thing your processes and procedures get turned into the level of your relationships that you have in your life and that's also Mm -hmm. the thought processes that you carry in your brain um negative thought processes and patterns are repeated and so knowing that if you start thinking about this you're going to go down and think about all these other things that you shouldn't be thinking about but if you think about this you're going to get you in a creative space, a better mood, anything from there. So really thinking like your processes and your routines as well that, that you mm-hmm. can fall back onto. So those are the big ones. Oh my God. I love it. And one of the other things I really admire about you is that you have discovered at a very young age that especially in entrepreneurship, but really for anybody um, that self-care and making time for taking care of all of yourself holistically is really important. So talk about some of the recent things that you've done just to expand your balance and to really create more space for yourself. Mm. This, this is also one that I'm, I haven't mastered yet. <laughs> so it's, I'm still in the process okay. of, of yeah. figuring that out. But what I, what I have learned is that, and actually Gabe, as much as I hate to admit it, taught me this. It reminds me of it. <laughs> he, he says it's, it's selfish for you not to give yourself 100% effort and energy because if you're showing up at 75% because you didn't take care of yourself, you're not giving your clients mm-hmm. your, your full self. So yeah. someone else needs your 100% today. Mm-hmm. And you need to do the things that you need to be doing to get yourself to 100%. So one thing that I employed is I have a hour, a couple hours in each day that no matter what the price point is, no matter who it is, I will not give those hours away to anyone else but myself. Mm. And that's a non-negotiable. Even if a client is offering or a client that, you know, I could land that is a, is huge and they can only come in during those hours, I will not compromise mm-hmm. those hours for anything. And that's really helped me. Even if it's I'm sitting down, I'm just taking a nap or I'm just mm-hmm. chilling. I don't even have to be doing anything productive. That's gives me enough time to kind of reboot back to hundred percent and show up, show up better for people. Um, also taking care of my own health and fitness. So making sure that, you know, I'm making people healthier every day, but a lot of yeah. times that makes me unhealthier in certain ways. So taking time to, to focus on my own health and fitness has been, has been huge as well. I love it. It's so true. Even with yoga teachers, we talk a lot about how hard it is to sometimes make our way to someone else's class, especially if you're teaching a lot. Mm. And for you, do you find that when you do work out, do you work out in your gym or do you prefer to go somewhere else and just be Sam and not Sam, the owner of this gym? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I do have um, a place, a gym that I go to that isn't my gym that I don't know many people there. I can kind of just put my headphones on and do my own thing. I really enjoy, I pretty much the gym is my, in my head, the best place I like to work out. Cause I, I just built a mm-hmm. playground for myself essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, whenever I'm there, it's either I get pulled into something, you know, someone wants to talk, which is great. And I love that yeah. people right. can feel comfortable enough to do that with me. And I love it. But there are sometimes to where, Hey, I just need to, to be with myself and get this in. Um, and the big one too is, again, a lot of gym owners struggle with this. And you said the same thing with, with yoga is 
when I go to my gym, my brain is in work mode mm -hmm. and because it's the environment. When I go to a gym that I go to just to work out, my brain is in, hey, I'm in workout mode. I'm not thinking about right. my clients. I'm not thinking about, oh, crap, someone needs to clean this over here because they missed it. <laughs> or, you know, I'm not. Yeah. So because there's always things that you can do at your own gym. Uh, so I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just thinking about myself and my workout and going from there. So that's definitely helped. Wow. So what would, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a business or is thinking about maybe starting a side hustle if they might mm -hmm. want to explore something different? So what are some of the things that, um, you could share with folks that you would want to share with them? The big one number one thing is find a mentor. Mm. Find someone who is doing what you're doing. It doesn't have to be exactly what you're doing, yeah. but find someone that is doing and excelling in the field that you want to go into and just be a sponge. That is, I mean, I have a degree in exercise science and I think I maybe use 5% of what I learned on a daily basis in school. Um, yes, it's, it's a nice piece of paper that I can show people. I think out of all of the people that I've met, over the years that I've trained with, one person asked me what I if I had a college degree. Oh, wow. Interesting. Like, not even certification-wise. Like I have multiple yeah. fitness certifications. And when I sign a client up, one, if maybe two people in the past five years have asked me, what's your certification in or what's your degree in? Um, and it's it sucks because I like telling people, you know, hey, I have a degree. You know, I'm actually a yeah. professional. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But uh yeah, and so, and I learned the rest of the ninety-five, the ni the rest of the ninety-five percent of what I was trying to get at. So I used five percent of the knowledge I gained in school for my degree, but the ninety-five percent remaining I learned from other people and by doing things. So finding a mentor and pretty much saying, "Hey, I'll work for you for free to learn," that is beyond valuable. That's how I started. That's how I got my first coaching job. Um, I showed up and I was like, "Hey, can I clean the toilets a couple of days out of the week to?" to work out here because I couldn't afford it. And he was like, yeah. And then that turned into the next thing and the next thing. And that's how I got hired. Mm -hmm. But yeah, finding a mentor. Um, and then being clear on what you expect out of yourself and knowing where you are now and not making anything, not, not being too hard on yourself, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, learn, from, learn from the mistakes because the mistakes and the lessons are necessary. Failure is necessary for you to get to the next level. And uh, a nice exercise that I like to use is called the light, the love, and the lessons. And I think we talked about this in one of our previous meetings. But pretty much anything that you experience can be categorized into three things. The light, the love, and the lessons. So if something bad happens, I don't get, you know, I'll, I'll poopy pants about it and put my head down. Or I just categorize it in the lessons tab. I pull from that. Okay, okay, this isn't gonna happen again, and we move on. You just can't can't be that hard on yourself. It becomes an issue if you're not correcting that and you keep making the same mistake. That can be a problem that you need to figure out. But as long as you're not making the same mistake a couple times, it'll be fine. So just learn that about it. That's life. It's the process. So actually, now every time I mess up, which I mess up a lot, <laughs> I uh, I get excited. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I found I found another way not to do this. So. <laughs> I'm one step closer to figuring out how I can do it. So those those would probably be the big one to sum it up. A mentor and and create 
realistic expectations for yourself for the knowledge that you have at the present moment. Amazing. Sam, I have a final question for you and um, hope that you could share. So, you know, this podcast is called Live the Width of Your Life. And it comes from a Diane Ackerman quote. What does it mean to you to live the width of your life and how do you do that? I think what the meaning behind living the width of your life is, are you living in a way that you put who you are into what you do? Oh, I love that. You're You're not pretending in a certain situation or you're not being something that you're, you're not being something that you're not for your job, for your relationships, for how you talk to yourself. It's showing up you, 100% authentic you, based on your personality, what drives you, what motivates you, and what you want out of life in that situation. And that that really is what, what the gym is for me. It's I've always enjoyed helping people. I enjoy making people more confident in themselves. I like leaving people with a smile. I like, you know, I'm not saying like I'm a people pleaser, but I like pleasing people. You know, if they show up upset and they leave happy, I did my job. And the method I do that is through fitness. And it could be anything for other people. It could be podcasting. It could be cooking. That's, that's how I live the the width of my life. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. I am positive that you have inspired many people who listen to this episode today. And please share with us how we can best support you. How can we find you? How can people work out with you? How can they listen to your podcast? Yes, definitely. So uh, the Bridge <laughs> Podcast, it's on Apple and Spotify. That's where my brother Gabe and I do all of our podcasting. And I say mostly Gabe. I've been taking a little bit of a backseat with, with everything going on. But <laughs> that's... If, you want to hear more talks like this, I would say um, that's the place to go. I'm not super active on social media, um, but my Instagram is Sam Beaver Fitness. You can find me there. And if you're in Bowling Green, BowlingGreenAthletics.com, hit us up there and let us know you're coming. So. I love it. I love it. I'm sure people will. Um, thank you again for joining. Thank you for your wisdom. And if you liked the episode today, please share it with a friend, share it with all your friends, subscribe. Um, You can find all the notes about Sam, where to follow him in the show notes, as well as with me. And I hope you join us next week with another guest. Thanks so much, Sam. Take care. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.